This morning we are going deeper in our series on talking about walking in fruit or walking fruit out in our lives. Last week I explained to you the importance of recognizing fruit in the life of a believer. This fruit is important not only to recognize in the life of a teacher or a prophet, but also in the life of every believer because the Bible teaches us that we are all disciples and that all of us need to bear good fruit. That means that looking for fruit begins at home. We have to start by looking at our own lives to see, are we bearing good fruit or are we not? In order for us to understand what that really means is we need to have a look at what the scriptures have to say about bearing fruit. The reality is, is that many people in the church, when we talk about fruit, the first thing they think about, which is not bad, is the fruit of the Spirit, because it's the one thing that clearly is spoken of over and over. And without any doubt, the fruit of the Spirit is an evidence of the Spirit moving and operating in your life, changing you individually, which is wonderful. But I want you to understand that that's not the only fruit mentioned in Scripture. The same way that when we talk about gifts in the body of Christ, there are more gifts than just the gifts of the Spirit. As wonderful as the gifts or manifestations of the Spirit are. Interesting, there are nine fruits of the Spirit. There are also nine gifts of the Spirit. But as you saw this morning on the stage was this lovely young man, Joey, playing the guitar. It doesn't matter how much I practice the guitar, I don't have that gift the way he has it. That gift was given to him by God. That's a gift that God gave him. But it's not a gift of the Spirit. There's a difference. So the same way that there are more gifts that God gives people, there are also more fruits that God gives us than just the fruit of the Spirit. And in order for us to be able to see whether someone has good fruit or bad fruit, you need to look beyond just the fruit of the Spirit. Let me give you one simple example. Okay, it's very difficult for us to judge. And I'm going to use the word judge because it's really what you're doing. When you're looking for fruit, you're judging whether there's fruit or not fruit. You cannot judge someone in the world whether there's fruit or not fruit because they're in the world. But in the church, it's different. We need to see whether someone is of the true vine or whether they aren't. So we look for the fruit in that individual. Does that make sense? You know, it's it's funny how we very quick to criticize the world for their faults. They already know they're bad. You don't have to remind them. And they don't understand, you know. They don't understand the things that we're supposed to understand because we've been taught, we've been enlightened. So we don't judge the world for their errors or their faults or their mistakes. They already are bad. There's nothing, we, there's nothing to judge. Are you guys with me? God will judge that in his time. But in the church, it's different. We need to make sure that we are following someone that is bearing good fruit and also that we are someone that produces good fruit in our own lives. So we need, to, we need to take stock of this this morning. And I'm, I'm going to start this morning by really discussing one of the types of fruit that I want you to look for when you look to see whether there's fruit in somebody's life. But before we look at that type of fruit, I want, you to, I want to give you three things that you can look for when you look for fruit. Three ways to determine whether someone has fruit in their life. <clears throat> These three things I'm going to show you. You can do with all the different types of fruit we'll go over this week and next week. Is that okay? All right, so let's dive into the Word. Amen. 
Let's just start where we kind of like were last week, just to sort of recap. John 15 verse 5 says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For with me, you can, without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified. How? That you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. This is how the Father is glorified, that we bear much fruit and that fruit will prove that we are true disciples of the King. This is not only for prophets, not only for teachers, but for every single one of us as believers. We are called to be disciples. We are all called to bear much fruit. So yes, we look for the fruit in the lives of others, but as I said earlier, make sure that you examine yourself first. So, there are three things that I truly believe can help us to determine fruit in somebody's life. Now remember, this is just a, a list of things that I believe I've done a lot of looking and researching and, and trying to really you know, see where you can see fruit in somebody's life. So these are very practical steps, and then we'll dive into Scripture. But practically, the first thing, obviously, is that you look at an individual, you look at an individual, their life, their personal life. You look at their ministry, the way they conduct themselves, the things that they say. We'll talk more about how to do it with an individual in just a moment. But you look, first of all, at the individual, his life, in every area of his life. Basically, his conduct is a huge part of that. Another way that you can have a look at fruit in somebody's life is you have a look at his family. If I don't know, if I want to know what you like, I have a look at you, I have a look at your parents, I have a look at your, at your children. Now, obviously, some people come out of really messed up families. That doesn't mean you're going to be a bad fruit. We change and people make their own choices as well, and we'll talk more about that. But if you are looking for fruit and you want to see, take a look at the family, take a look at the children, take a look at the wife, at the husband, and have a look at what's going on in their life. If it's bad fruit, it's going to be a mess. If it's good fruit, they'll be going in the right direction. Remember, a tree doesn't grow overnight. It's a process. In other words, you know, you're not going to determine that someone's bad because they're having a bad day. There are times that a tree is growing that there's no watering for a few days, but it still continues to go in the right direction. As long as it's major the majority of the time, it's in going in the right direction. But if there's always something wrong, the tree will eventually end up dying. Does that make sense? Another really important thing to look for, and this is specifically when you're looking at teachers or ministers, you have a look at two things. You have a look at who raised them up, and you have a look at who they are raising up. Who are their disciples? Now let's talk about, three, about these three things in a little bit more detail. First of all, we have a look at the individual. Does that individual bear fruit? We'll talk about the different fruits as we go on, but we need to first of all identify, does that individual bear fruits? There are two ways to identify fruit in an individual's life. Number one, by what he says, and number two, by how he conducts his life. 
because what he says is so important. The Bible teaches us in Matthew 15, 11, it says, not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. In other words, what's in you is eventually gonna come out of you. Hang around somebody for long enough and you will eventually get to see what's in their heart because they'll begin to speak. Do you know what I'm talking about? Listen to what Matthew 12, 34 says. Brood of vipers. This is Jesus speaking to the, to the, to the, to the, uh, the religious people. Brood of vipers. How can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Eventually you'll see what's in the person's heart. And he goes on and he, he really overiterates this by saying this. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart uh, brings forth evil things. So ultimately what's in your mouth, your, the abundance of the heart, what's going on inside you, you will eventually begin to speak what's really on the inside of you. If you want to know if someone has good fruit or bad fruit, just hang around long enough to see how they speak, what they speak about, what comes out of their mouth. Now, you must understand that you can have a bad day and you can say something you shouldn't have said. And, you know, we have these things. Understand that, remember, as I taught you, a tree grows in process. So it's going to be a process that you're gonna see somebody change and mature. The seed becomes a bud, grows a little bit, the tree begins to grow, the branches grow, and ultimately you will begin to produce fruit. It's not gonna happen overnight, but you are going to begin to see the transformation and the person desire to do what's right and say what's right will slowly start to take place from their mouth. The thing is though, is that if you if, you, if, you, if you're standing from afar off, it's very difficult sometimes to always see what somebody says. So what you have to do is you also have to look not only at what they say, but also how they conduct themselves. And the Bible actually tells us this. Watch this. Matthew 23, verse number 3. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe. And Jesus is again speaking about the religious leaders. So he says, observe what they tell you to, to observe. But do not do according to their works, for they say and they do not do. So how many times have we seen this? For example, somebody will be, you know, saying all the right things. It looks like they're doing, saying all the right things, but then they, they, for example, go home, and this is where the family comes into it, and at home they're like a totally different person. Their behavior doesn't match what they say. The way a person runs their business if you're dishonest in your business, something is wrong. Your conduct doesn't match what you say on Sunday morning at church. I need a really loud amen for that one. Amen. You can't be a, a, a Christian at church, you know, a, a, a shrewd, dishonest businessman at, at, at work and think that people will not recognize that you have bad fruit. So your conduct is also so important, and those are the ways that you'll determine fruit, by what's said, by what's taught, and then also by what the person does, the way they conduct their life, the individual. The family now is the next thing. And the Bible says quite a lot about the family. In Acts 16, verse 31, I love this. It says, so they say, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household your whole household will be affected by you if you're a good tree. 
Man, the first service was all excited. Yes. You guys are like, amen. Come on, guys. I haven't even said anything about Halloween yet. Oh, we'll get there. <laughs> Maybe I'll, I'll behave. See, already some of you are upset. Okay, let's just keep going. <clears throat> the way we raise our families, the way we operate in our household will determine what's produced in our families. There's just no question about that. The way you treat your family is going to determine the way that they will grow and the fruit that will be produced in their life. The Bible says this, watch. Psalm 127, verse 3. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, and the fruit of their womb, the fruit of the womb is a reward. Ephesians 6, 4 says, And you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So in other words, the way we, we, the way we conduct ourselves and the way we teach our children will affect the way our household will be. But understand this, you can tell your children to behave and to be good and not to lie and not to steal, and then you can curse your wife out and they will believe nothing you say. I said to Naomi this last week, I said to her, you know, I'm watching my two children. I watch my daughter and she's grown quite a lot and she's, she's a good child most of the time, you know, and, 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 you know, and, and she's a very, very well-behaved child and and then I watch my son and I see things in the two of them. And then I see things and I'm like, where does he get that? <laughs> and then I'm like, ooh, that's my fault. You know, and, and it's not like, and so I'm thinking and I'm, I'm like, man, I need to, I need to, you know, I need to, I need to discipline more. I need to. I can't spoil him so much. I've, I've, I've got to raise him right. Otherwise, I'm going to destroy him. And, and, and they're different. You know, Annie was, she was just born good. Joshua was like, I've got to really train this kid. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, and he's the most loving child. He loves, he's, he loves the Lord and he loves his, his family. And, you know, he drew me a little picture telling me that I'm the best just by the way, mom, you know, <laughs> so, you know. <clears throat> but the way we raise them is, is, is going to affect the way that they grow up into what type of a tree they grow up. Now, listen, I'm not saying this to make you feel guilty because sometimes you can do everything right, but ultimately they have to make their own choices. You know, you have to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And every one of us eventually has to make the choices. I can teach my daughter everything and I can even do most things right. You'll never do everything right. But ultimately, she still has to make her own choices. And remember, guys, bad company corrupts good character. And I want to teach you something that that scripture is actually referring to in the church. So don't think because your kids are in church that they're around kids with good character. You've got to make sure. That's your job as a parent. When Will Hart got here, the, the minister from Iris, he didn't know me very well. We didn't know each other. The first thing he did in the car was he said, I need to meet your children and your wife. Why? Because he wanted to see the fruit of my house. He wanted to see what my home looked like. And I was like, yes, sir. <laughs> Actually, I was like, they better behave. Lord, please let them behave. 
Because <laughs> he wanted to see, and it doesn't, it doesn't take long to see whether, whether, the, whether the tree is good or whether the tree is bad. Now, now I want you to, if you're sitting there thinking, you see, my husband, you know, you know he's still not good and he's, he's, still, he's still not getting there and you know, he still doesn't discipline the children and he doesn't listen to me and, you know, and all of that. I understand what you're saying, but remember, a tree doesn't grow overnight. Let me ask you a question, and this is how you have to judge. Has the tree changed from when it started? If it's the same way it was before it started, before he got saved, if he hasn't changed at all, and he's still here and he hasn't changed at all, something is wrong. But if he's gotten a whole lot better, the tree's growing. We just need the Lord to come and do some more pruning. And he will as time goes on. But that's where, you know, you, you, as a husband and wife, and this is really much more than the first service when it comes to this particular subject, but it's important. So you have to help each other. And the first fruit we're going to look at today will really, we'll talk more about the family situation later on. But, but I want to move on to the next one real quick. Just remember one thing, Proverbs 22, 6. Let me just read this. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Guys, if, you, if you're sitting with wayward children, you remember sometimes families break up. One parent's doing everything they can, serving the Lord with their whole heart. The other one is completely gone off the chart. There's many situations, so there's no perfect situation. I need you to understand that. So I'm not judging anybody, but I'm saying that right now you have a choice. Your, your life might have been a mess from the past, but right now the way you conduct yourself is important. If you're a single parent and, and, and you're sleeping around and you're trying to raise your children in the ways of the Lord, brother, you're doing something wrong. If your children are waking up to a guy that's not married to you or a woman that's not married to you in your home, don't tell me you're raising them in the ways of the Lord. Just one example. Last service, it was Halloween. This service, that's what it was. Okay, we'll leave it there. All right. I don't want to, I don't want to, okay. <laughs> so circumstances will affect that, obviously. But as an individual, as a family, we must do what's right now. I can't do anything about yesterday, but I can do it now. Have you ever seen a tree that's ever like not doing well? If you start taking care of that tree, if you start nurturing that tree, if you start watering it, planting it, making sure it's taken care of, it comes back to life. That's exactly what will happen to you and your house when you start to serve the Lord and follow Him and honor Him. All right, let's move on. Now, as I said, one of the things that you must always do is look at the fruit of the ministry, look at the disciples of a ministry. Watch this now. Luke 6 verse 40 says this, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. So when you look at the fruit of a ministry, you have a look at the product of that ministry. You have a look at the, the people in that ministry. If they are being trained by a leader, what do they look like? If they are fully trained, are they serving the Lord right? Or are they still living in a lifestyle that is not pleasing to the Lord? They haven't begun to enter into the fruits that I'm going to teach you about in just a moment. It's so important. If I study a ministry, if I want to listen to a pastor, because today you can listen to, to stuff so easily, there are two things I always do. I have a look at 
the product of that ministry, what's going on in that church? Are people's lives being changed? Are people being delivered? Are people being set free? Is there growth? If there's no growth, something's wrong, guys. I'm not saying it has to be a giant mega church, but there must be growth. Otherwise, we're not even following the, 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 the instruction of the Lord. God never called us to have a little group of holy anointed ones. He, he called us to make disciples. That means more and more and more. And don't tell me numbers aren't important. The Bible tells us that on the day of Pentecost, the first day the church started, there were 3,000 people added. And then it tells us later on that there were more added. In other words, there was health and fruit being produced. The second thing I always look for is I look at where they come from. For example, when I shared this last week with one of the groups, so I'm gonna share it again. When I planted the church in Vero Beach, I felt a sense of confidence and boldness. Nobody knew who I was, but they could look at my pastor. They could see where he come, where I, where I come from. They could see he'd, he's been in ministry for 40 plus years. He's a, got a fruitful ministry. Lives have been impacted and changed. He sent out missionaries all over the world. That's good fruit. So you always look at the disciples of a ministry. That's why the scriptures tell us that you'll see from, from a teacher what the disciples look like. Amen. All right, so now that we've established that, let's begin to look at some of the different types of fruit. And I'm gonna go to one that probably many of you have never even thought of before. But I think this one is so important and definitely our starting point. Matthew 3, 8 says this. Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. One of the fruits you always look for in the life of a believer is fruits of repentance. Are fruits of repentance active? Are they present in a believer's life? And watch this. Do they speak? Do they teach as well? Remember what they say as well about repentance. Repentance is a, an absolutely imperative message in Scripture. Watch what John the Baptist says to the religious leaders of that day. Let's go to Matthew 3, verse 7. This is actually where I took that verse out of, put it into context so you can see it clearly. Are you guys all okay? All right. Matthew 3, verse 7. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. And do not think to say to yourselves, we, are, we, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now, watch this, the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear, bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. This is the first place that we see fruit mentioned in the New Testament. Right at the beginning of the preaching, when even Jesus wasn't teaching yet, John the Baptist was giving us a message, and the fruit that he talks about is fruits of repentance. Fruits of repentance are so critical. And he says to the Pharisees, listen, you come with all your religion, you come with all your laws, but there's no transformation taking place in people's lives. You think that just because you're in covenant, you you're come from Abraham, that it's all good. Oh, that sounds familiar today in the church. Well, you know, I got, I'm, I'm in covenant with God. I don't need to repent anymore. 
So John the Baptist teaches on repentance. Why? It's interesting, if you take note, you'll notice that he preaches on repentance and always connected to repentance is the message of the kingdom. So repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, turn from where you're going, come under the kingdom of God, let him rule and reign your life. Take a look at John's message, watch. Matthew 3 verse one, this is his message. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That was his message. What many people don't understand or don't realize is we we read about everything Jesus did, but what many don't understand or realize is that his message was exactly the same. When Jesus began to preach in his ministry, this was his message, Matthew 4, 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He was trying to let people know there's a better way. There's a way that you can connect with God. Get back to relationship with God. It's not about rules and laws. It's about intimacy with God. But there's a problem. The problem is, is that you're going the wrong way. You need to change direction. You need to come to God and come under His kingdom, under His rulership. Oh, well, you know, Pastor Alex, that's, that was just Jesus and John the Baptist, and that was before the church. Oh, I've got news for you. On the day of Pentecost, Peter gets up, begins to preach his message, Acts 2, verse 37. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's not all. The the one who wrote nearly two-thirds of the New Testament outside of the Gospels was Paul the Apostle. Paul's message was also a message of repentance. Acts 20 verse 20 to 21. This is what he says. How I kept back nothing. He's telling them what he was teaching that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks. In other words, this message he took to the Gentiles. He also took it to the, to the Jews. What was the message? Repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance is a foundational message. And if we do not practice a lifestyle of repentance, Something is wrong. Why? Why is repentance important? Because repentance is real. Repentance is relational. My father's sitting in the front here. If I hurt my father or grieve my father or harm my father or do something to offend my father, what am I going to do if I'm a decent son? I'm going to repent. Dad, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. I don't want to do that again. That's repentance. Are you guys with me? The message of the cross is a message of repentance. The word repentance in the Greek is the word metanoia. It means to change your mind or it means to go in the opposite direction. So repentance is not there to make you feel guilty and bad all the time. Repentance is there to cause you to go in the right direction. 
You see, as a father in my home, I want to come back to the household. Why is repentance important? Why is practicing repentance important as a father? Because if I come into my house, I'm, I'm, I'm serving the Lord, I'm, 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 I'm striving, I'm doing everything I can to, to please the Lord, my heart's the Lord's, but I have a bad day, I come in the house, I mess up, I shout at everybody, you know, um, I never cuss, so it's not me, but you I know, okay, so anyway, I have this bad day, and, and, and so if I just leave it, my kids are going to think, why did he act that way? But if I first of all go to the Lord and say, Lord, I lost it today. I, I, I messed up today. Oh, well, you know, Pastor Alex, you don't have to do that. Then why does the Bible teach us when we take communion to examine ourselves? Because we have to take stock. What happens when you repent? When you repent, you're saying, the way I'm doing it is the wrong way. I'm gonna do it your way, Lord. And so what happens to you when you repent is you are humbling yourself. The Bible says that God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. So repentance is a form of humility. Now watch this. If you ever want to see if a ministry is not true, if they never ever preach repentance, something is wrong. So it's not just the conduct, also what they speak. Repentance is a necessary message. Jesus pre preached it. John the Baptist preached it. Peter preached it. Paul preached it. I guarantee you they all did. When we get saved, we come to God, we confess Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and we repent from our sins. And He's good and faithful to cleanse us from our sins. Now, let me get back to the household. I kind of lost my way a little bit there. Are you all with me? First, I go to God and I repent to God. But one thing I've noticed in my house that has been an extremely powerful tool that God has given me, and again, I'm definitely far from perfect, guys. Ask my wife, she'll tell you. But this, I've seen the power of this. If I go to my family after I've messed up and I repent, I don't go and say I repent, I go and say, guys, I'm sorry. Dad was wrong. I, I, you know, I had a bad day and, you know, I kind of took it out on all of you and I asked him to forgive me. There's such a lot of power in that. It shows my children that I'm willing to even humble myself to them. Oh, that's so powerful, guys. That's so powerful. If you're sitting here and you're a parent and maybe your whole life you didn't do it right, but now you're serving God and all you can think about is how you messed up. Listen, go to your family and tell them that you messed up. Be humble, humble yourself. Show them what repentance looks like. They may, they may reject you, they may, but I can tell you now, it will sow a seed in their heart that is so powerful because when you humble yourself and you do that, you show them that God is busy moving in your life. Are you guys with me this morning? Repentance is absolutely, the fruits of repentance is, is one of the clear fruits that we need to look for in the life of any person, including ourselves. How can I feel bad about going to my Father in heaven when I recognize that I've made a mistake? 
but doesn't in any way lesser the grace of God that flows towards me. If anything, it empowers it even more because I am willing to go low. One thing I've realized over the years as being a pastor, and I'm just really beginning to understand this just a little bit, the power in humility, the power in going low with God is so incredible because God tells us that He will give you grace. How can I rob you of that gift by teaching you you don't have to repent when you mess up? I have a real relationship with God. That's what John the Baptist was saying to the Pharisees. You guys think because you're in covenant with God that you can just do what you want. You don't need to repent. He was saying, listen, repentance is something that is necessary that brings us into that place of true humility. So guys, the first fruit I want you to look for, when you look for fruit in your own life, are you walking in repentance? I'm not talking about staying in guilt. That's not necessary. God is faithful. He forgives our sins and they're like they're never even there. So move on. Otherwise, you're allowing the enemy to operate. Are you with me? But are you practicing repentance? Have you repented before God for your wrongdoings? And then the second thing is, when you see someone minister, when you watch someone from the pulpit, I'm not, you can't expect every message to be on repentance. But in that ministry, do you see repentance as something that is taught? Because if it isn't, I question whether it's a true ministry or not. Amen. So that's the first fruit that I want you to look at. Next week, we're gonna dive into two or three other types of fruit. And then once you've got those, you'll be able to begin to identify, first of all, fruit in your own life that needs work and fruit in other lives as well, ministries and stuff like that that you can look for. I hope this is helpful. Amen. All right, <clears throat> let's pray. Father, this morning, Lord, it's our desire to bring glory to your name, to be good fruit, Lord. And, and, and Father, your word says that, that when we bear good fruit, that we are your disciples. So I pray this for everyone this morning. Father, our, our, our journey with you is, is, is such an interesting journey. <laughs> sometimes. But I pray, Lord, that, that this message this morning will do one thing, and that is draw each and every one of us closer to you, because you love us so much that you sent your only son to die for us so that we could have life and life more abundant. I'm so grateful, God, that because of the covenant I'm in, I can repent when I mess up, and I know your grace is sufficient. For where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. But I still have a desire, Lord, to please you in everything that I do. You are my heavenly Father. And I love you so much, Father. I want my life to bring glory to your name. We want our lives to bring glory to your, to your name, Father. And so this morning in this place, we just we want to surrender our hearts to you. I ask, Lord, that we would all become trees planted into the vine, Father, that would bear much fruit. We love you and we honor you. 
I pray that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that the love of the Father and the fellowship with the Spirit be with each and every one of you as you leave this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.